Uh, what's up, Doc? Doing a podcast? Today on Writers Get Animated, we're talking about Looney Tunes. Stay tuned, Doc. Welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and how to talk with your mouth full. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Slava. And today, in addition to eating carrots, we are talking about, for his 80th birthday, Bugs Bunny. Because it's a magical time, a special place for America's second favorite animated mascot. Or favorite, depending on the decade. (laughs) It's like, second favorite? That's pretty bold. My favorite. Okay. If I had to choose between a mouse and a bunny... You would choose the bunny? I think so. Maybe it's because I grew up with bugs more than Mickey, but... Hmm. I don't know. Um, But today, we're going to talk about two Bugs Bunny animated shorts. Uh, The first one, the most widely accepted premiere of Bugs Bunny and who Bugs Bunny is today short, A Wild Hare, from 1940? Yes. 1940, yes. And uh, Pool Bunny, one of the new shorts from the Looney Tunes cartoon series on HBO Max. From um, 2020. From 2020. One of the few good things from 2020. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Everybody gets one. <laughs> it's, it's fun to have on HBO Max... They have a whole section devoted to celebrating Bugs Bunny's 80th birthday, which was on July 27th. Um, Just you can watch anything from the first few gems that I remember watching as a kid, like Rhapsody Rabbit with Hungarian Rhapsody number five from I think it's five Hungarian Rhapsody five from Franz Liszt or Super Rabbit where Bugs Bunny eats carrots that have been scientifically altered and becomes a superhero. Wow, that wasn't just something I made up in my head. That was a real cartoon. That was a real cartoon. You can even watch Porky's Hare Hunt from 1938, which is the first appearance of a rabbit who is basically Bugs Bunny, but wasn't Bugs Bunny. And... What's really, I did some looking up about it, and what's really funny about it is it has almost the exact same plot as a cartoon called Porky's Duck Hunt, which is starring Daffy Duck, um, but they put a rabbit in it. But it's basically a rabbit behaving like Daffy. Yeah. And I, if we're going to get technical, I, I would consider Porky's Hair Hunt the first Bugs Bunny because like just deciding that a character is introduced when they're more familiar to our sensibilities today. Um, that's like saying Batman wasn't created until the 80s. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> uh, but to align with the broader animated academic narrative as a whole, I think we'll stick with Wild hair is the first Bugs Bunny. I mean, that's the that's the rabbit who looks and sounds and behaves, which is the important part, like bu- the Bugs Bunny that we all know and love. Because he you do that get New York accent, right? You get this halfway version in Elmer's Candid Camera in 1940, where Elmer Fudd is a photographer and trying to learn nature photography and going out to shoot a rabbit, so -hmm. to speak, um, with his camera. And it looks closer to what we would recognize as Bugs Bunny, but it doesn't sound anything like Bugs Bunny and doesn't quite completely behave like Bugs. There are some very, very common Bugs things, like where Bugs pretends to be dead, Hmm. And, you know, I can't remember if he kisses anybody in that one, but 
he finds his own way out. Well, I think a lot of what we expect in, in the modern era, too, is um, things are perfect when they're put out the first time. We expect creators to make something perfect right away. And I think what you see, especially in the old studio system, is um, just the need to output content, almost like a BuzzFeed article, but with cartoons in the 30s and 40s. <laughs> uh, a listicle, really animated shorts for the listicles of the 30s. Um, wow, there's a there's a term paper right there. Thesis, bam, give me my second degree, Kenyon College. Um, <laughs> they didn't like animation there. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yes. Yeah, so you have an output of content, and there's a desire to output that. Um, and so I think there was finding the characters, and what you would get in experimentation behind the scenes a lot of times nowadays was just the lead up to what we see in a while here. They were finding who Elmer was and who Bugs Bunny was and what the relationship together was. And a wild hair is the first time you see that all together and synergizing with each other. And that's why it's had a lasting effect. It was fun reading the Wikipedia articles about this because it was interesting to hear about why this is so popular. Not just, we assume like, like me as a kid, like it's Bugs Bunny. He says, what's up doc? He kisses dudes. He puts on drag, like, glamour fruit dresses things um, and gets lost in Albuquerque. Like, why does he do these things repeatedly and repeatedly? It's because with a rabbit coming out of a hole and looking over Emma's shoulder and saying, what's up, Doc, as his first line in New York accent, was so unexpected that every theater uh, burst out in laughter and was, like, inconsolable with laughter from that one line alone. And today we're thinking, like, why? Uh, <laughs> but back then it was just unexpected. It was surprise and delight. And so with that success and that reaction, of course, they're going to make Bugs say, what's up, Doc, at every single short thereafter. And even after the funny dies, that just becomes something that Bugs says. It's a trope now. Right. It's very vaudevillian in that sense of this is this character. This is what he says. That's what you're expecting. It's like, mm -hmm. just say it. <laughs> you could yeah. You could almost Rocky Horror you know, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Just say it. I would pay to see that crossover. The Looney Tunes meet <laughs> Frank and <Kirk. laughs> I can see it now. Uh, I'm going to stop visualizing it and move <laughs> on. Um, <laughs> well, I think the other thing that we have to remember is that in 1940, these animated shorts were a communal experience. You were watching it with an audience in a theater with other people. It wasn't just an experience you by yourself. And you can see that a lot in the timing. Looney Tunes cartoons, I remember them being faster, uh, faster paced than Disney cartoons from the same period. Uh, some of that has to do with you know, Tex Avery being involved and other other people where it's like, let's just do a lot of things, a lot of jokes and not worry about the characters will be who the characters are and we'll just move forward. You don't, you'll need one little piece of motivation, but it won't build beyond that. We'll just one character trying to do one thing and that's what it's built on. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, not to jump too far ahead, but I think that's the success of the HBO Max shorts, too. It's mm. one flimsy piece of motivation. Uh, <laughs> and then you riff on that however you see fit. And I don't, I don't think we say flimsy as a derogatory because it's bendable. <laughs> yeah. In, in a six and a half minute short, like what's the... It's all about saving time and space. You're not going to have... Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a really complex motivation. Um, you're not going to have like a, a Steven universe. Like I have to resolve my negative feelings about my mom and her legacy. We'll solve that in six and a half minutes. Uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> Bugs wants his carrot and the hunter wants to kill Bugs. There you go. And the comedy is that the hunter is a bad hunter in every way. Well, let's, let's discuss that. Let's start with, a wild hair, 1940, the first official 
Bugs Bunny appearance. Also Elmer Fudd. So we get Elmer Fudd as a hunter is the very first thing that we see tracking a rabbit. And he looks out at the audience, looks out at us, immediately breaking the fourth wall and says, shh, be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. There it is. Iconic. Iconic. Mm-hmm. Cut, print, we have a legend. Well, I think what is also forgotten about Elmer Fudd is just how unexpected he is, too, because he is... I, I couldn't tell you the right people, but I'm watching a lot of old movies recently in quarantine. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm getting familiar with some of the references of the time, and I was doing some Wikipedia reading about Elmer and like how much of his character's homages to other famous people at the time, which like how you have like the Muppets would do a riff on, I don't know, somebody. Um, no good examples, but you can imagine like a Muppet version of X celebrity doing a character of that person, but calling it like this unique idea. And the point is like, haha, they're making fun of that person. And today I think we lose that for a lot of the classic stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't realize what the Looney Tunes are making fun of because they're just their own thing now that's lasted much longer. And Elmer Fudd is just like this, like part dopey, like part effeminate, just really bad hunter. Like why in the first place are you hunting rabbits of all things? Number mm-hmm. two, why are you hunting a rabbit with a shotgun? <laughs> What's that going to do? <laughs> I don't know much about hunting either, but I imagine uh, that these are, as an adult, frivolous things that you wouldn't expect to see because it's overkill. And, and he is really done up. Like, he's gone all out with his outfit. You know, he's... He's Hunter, you know, he's seen a dictionary and gone out online and ordered everything that he needed to. I mean, not at the time. He's gone to the Acme catalog and ordered (laughs) Hunter supplies, obviously. It's it's well, my husband, I'm thinking of equivalent. My husband would call something locally here in the Bay Area bike drag um, in that there are lots of people who buy the fanciest bicycle possible and all of the bike gear you'd expect, like the outfit and the helmet and the turn signals and the gloves and the fancy water bottle and the mount and all this stuff and like a GPS unit mounted for their bike. And they're still at the end of the day, like not really like bicycle obsessed people. They just have the money and they want a hobby. And so they're, they've put on the drag, the art of drag, if you will, but for being a cyclist. And I think that's what Elmer is doing for hunting. Is he good at it? No. Does he have the money to do it based on everything else we see Elmer doing in all the other shorts? Possibly. Yeah. He's bought all the accoutrement of hunting. Oh, you beat me to say an accoutrement. You beat me to it. I was, I was holding on to that word and you, oh, I wanted to <laughs> Or as say Bugs it. would say, accoutrement. Accoutrement. Or accoutrement. No, he would say that. Accoutrement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's some nice looking accoutrement, Doc. <laughs> yes. Side note, I also uh, want to talk about how um, it took me until really a couple years ago to realize what a maroon is just bugs. <laughs> what a moron. <laughs> <laughs> took me way too long to realize that. Um, that's not in this episode, though. So. <laughs> no, in this, in this short, we get some really classic bits like honestly this is if you only and i doubt that you this is true for anybody if you've only seen one bugs bunny cartoon if you watch a wild hair you get everything this is the foundation this is the the original text that you must go to to figure out what uh, what this relationship between elmer and bugs is and who bugs is just in general. And it it doesn't feel like the first one because they have done that and people do do that whenever they're working on Looney Tunes, they go back to this one, I'm assuming, because it, it feels like this could be somewhere in the middle of the classic bug story. Like this is, they figured it out. It's all here. Right. 
it's so strange to think that here is this almost fully formed idea and voice and personality, which is wisecracks. It's looking straight at the audience. So it's a lot of fourth wall breaking. It's outsmarting by just sheer insanity. It's the, I'm going to be smart, but I'm also going to play the lunatic. So, but also, is he kind of a lunatic anyway? You start to wonder, like, how, how crazy is this rabbit? So tell me more about Bugs Bunny. What do, what are, what are the, what's the DNA here that we get that creates who Bugs Bunny is? What are the tropes we come to expect in the future? All right. So you have this happy-go-lucky rabbit. That's where you start. Rabbit who's really excited about living life. Um, sometimes it may be just because he's taking a trip. Uh, it's sometimes it's just quiet time in the hole, hanging out. But it's just a happy, happy, relaxed rabbit who's totally in control of every situation. That's, that's what you get with bugs. Um, also, you have a very justice-minded rabbit who doesn't see himself as lower than anybody he sees himself either as superior or equal and uh in in some ways though he's very selfish uh in a lot of ways but doesn't try to um what do i want to say he doesn't react first and if he does and I think you're doing bugs incorrectly. You know. Yeah, he's not maliciously selfish. It's just he's selfish in that he's going to maintain his own zen-like approach to life and stay on course. And then when something interrupts that, he's going to do everything he can to make sure they never interrupt him again. Right. So, and I think, and we'll we'll get into it when we talk about pool bunny about how that holds. But I think Bugs is, I'm just living my life, and if you try to kill me, I will, I will fight back, and I will make a fool of you and completely destroy you uh, in my own way, and I'm going to have a really good time doing that. And I will do all the things I need to do to do what I want and show you how wrong you are to be mm-hmm. rude to me. And he usually signifies this change in the episode with the, of course, you know, this means war. Yes. Which is kind of like the prehistoric equivalent of the DuckTales wait what moment. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) Everything's changing now? And, And that's where it sets the difference. Like, I love that that I love that change in. All right. Now we're going to see. Bugs going on the offensive. Mm-hmm. Defend push over the edge. Right. I'm going to defend myself, defend myself. Oh, you think that's how it is? I'm going to now just all out assault on you. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it ramps up being in the last little bit. And that's how most of them, if we go back to our breakdown where we talked about what's opera doc, that's that's everything on it. That's where it operates. Like I'm going to go full tilt on this. I'm going to come in riding a horse, and this is this is my moment where now the tables have turned, mm-hmm. and I will do it. Shock and, and awe, right? <laughs> uh, right. So many good good Bugs Bunny episodes. Shorts. <laughs> they do feel like episodes in something larger, though. If the ones that really stand out and hold true. I believe there's some from later on, you know, the Bugs Bunny and Daffy um, things from like the, that I remember in the seventies and well, I didn't live through the seventies, but I mean (laughs) the ones from the seventies and the eighties where it was trying to make plots out of things and where it just started to lose who Bugs was and what, what's at the heart of it. 
there are some like in the recent resurgences where they've tried to bring them back with like the Looney Tunes show from 2009 where Bugs and Daffy live together in the suburbs or something and I was like I don't I don't understand what you're doing here. I don't understand how this is fitting in with the overarching understanding of who Bugs and Daffy are. Um and then the new Looney Tunes show from 2015 to 2020, which is somewhere another exploratory thing in between cartoon commercial bugs and bugs actually being a character again. Somewhere in there is also Wabbit, which we've also talked about before, which I think is almost a hybrid of what you're talking about. Like it's a little bit of classic bugs mixed with like trying to make a plot. Yeah, Wabbit, I think, was the new Looney Tunes show. There was, I'm sorry, there's the new Looney Tunes, which was also Wabbit, previously known as Wabbit, I believe. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. I, mm, that's confusing. Okay. It is very confusing. I get it now. So confusing. Branding. Go look for. I want to watch the new Looney Tunes show. You get the Looney Tunes show and new Looney Tunes, but the one that's happening now is Looney Tunes cartoons. Yeah, which is also hard. Um, <laughs> but what what else do we need to say about a wild hare that sets things up for future and what do I want to say? Not primitive for fundamental bugs and Elmer talked a little bit about him already. Yeah. I think we've, we've hit like the, the bugs and Elmer bits. Well, I, I think there's one thing we haven't hit on that I think is in a lot of, um, future shorts as well, which is the, the comeuppance for Elmer almost. Mm. And it's, I, I like to think it's inspired, uh, the writer emergency pack card of what happens if your character gets what they want. Hmm. Say a little bit more about that. Yeah. What happens if Elmer kills the rabbit? (laughs) How does he feel about that? And that happens in a lot of Elmer bug shorts. You have that here. What's opera doc. Um, You also have that in uh, the short. We're going to talk about pool bunny where what happens if the rabbit is dead or pretends to be dead in some way. Is that the end of the episode? No, it's Elmer actually being sad because he's he's not a good hunter. He doesn't want to kill anything. He just wants to <laughs> he wants to be seen in his hunting gear. He wants the dinner. He wants the experience, but he's not ready for what it really means. Mm-hmm. If I feel like there's like a early two thousands movie, there are you ready to take a life? <laughs> There's a dark, gritty version of FUD that could be created. Like, Ugh, I hope not. Don't give them ideas. I'm sorry. I take that all back. Please. Please don't listen. <laughs> Stricken from the record. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's the only other thing I wanted to hit about wild hair, for sure. Okay. Other than please go watch it again. And just see where all these things came from. It feels really fresh. Mm-hmm. It but does, especially when you watch a Looney Tunes cartoon, which is inspired by this era of Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. Even though I think Bugs gets the yellow gloves in the short after Wild Hair, something like that. Yeah, it's not long after that he gets yellow gloves. So the design is somewhere in between to let you know, hey, this is not the bugs from 2009 or 2015. Like, this is an earlier iteration of bugs visually. <clears throat> also, I think it's interesting to not have just white and gray on bugs. I think to give them a little splash. If you look, think it, if you think of bugs wearing gloves, you want it to look like not just his hands. Mm-hmm. Because in... um. Which one was it? In Elmer's Candid Camera, 
Bugs did not have gloves, but he had those. He may as well have been because they were white right on the ed- ends of his hands. So mm. they were paws, but they looked like gloves. And then later on, they turned them into white gloves and then into yellow gloves to like, m- make it more obvious that he was wearing gloves. Mm. It's really... The whole cartoons wearing gloves thing is really, really interesting to me. I mean, we don't have to get into that because I think there's <laughs> bad stuff at the core of that. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> so, <laughs> focusing on good things. The new Looney Tunes cartoon. Yes. Uh, let's talk about Pool Bunny, which I want to start by saying I love that this episode finally, we finally have a Looney Tunes episode set in the modern conclave of modernism that is Palm Springs. Because so much of what I associate with classic Looney Tunes, even though it's not even wild hair era, but later, shortly after that, is like this modernism aesthetic. Whenever they're living their glamorous Looney Tunes life, they're in like these modern, like Charlie Harper-esque, like Hollywood Hills houses and things like that. Right. So to me, like that mid-century modern is always very, Looney Tunes linked in my head and for them to for Bugs to be lost somewhere in the Mojave with Joshua trees around him and find a mid-century modern home somewhere in the hills probably around Palm Springs or Palm Desert or Indio just east of LA somewhere is refreshing and wonderful like why have they never been to Palm Springs before I don't know (laughs) yeah I didn't I didn't question it I was like, of course, that's Elmer Fudd's house. Mm-hmm. It's it's square, it's plain, it's ordinary, but also it shows that he has money. Mm-hmm. He's a pool in the desert. That's not cheap. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> I also love that it starts, <laughs> this episode begins with signs like, hot isn't it i love i i don't i just love how there are signs in looney tunes cartoons that's obviously the the animators and artists commenting on their own work i just i love that and they're calling it out as a joke it's like the animators are the greek chorus if this were right classic drama yeah yeah, I, I just, I so appreciate that comment on things because it it makes it feel that much warmer. One, it's really effective. It, it's a laugh. And then it's also a, a way of bringing you in on the joke right away. It's like mm-hmm. you're involved in this. We're, we're involving you. You don't just get to see bugs panting and hunched over and sweating. It's like you need the hat on the hat here. Mm-hmm. That's a good I mean, point. maybe you don't need it, but it's funny. Right. I, I think it's 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 core. It's central. It's that commenting. It's that extra little bit of not quite winking at the audience, but like it's more than a wink. It's like a lean-in soliloquy to the audience. Um, hey, guys, mm-hmm. we're doing this. And then to also immediately follow that with a little bit of um, not just adding on to something you're already seeing, but the juxtaposition of the, um, with, with said with care, the flimsy premise here of Bugs seeing the pool and going, I hope the owner doesn't mind sharing his pool with the local wildlife. Smash cut to Elmer digging bugs out of his pool. I hate sharing my pool with the local wildlife. Which is my son Jack's favorite moment. He <laughs> laughs every... He's like, wait for it, wait for it. Because he's watched it like 18 times, I swear. It's like, just wait, just wait, listen. See, he said, and then he explains <laughs> the joke behind it. And I'm like... Do you know what your daddy does on the weekend <laughs> sometimes, son? Like, I think <laughs> I've analyzed what just happened in my mind, my son. But I'm so proud of you for noticing. Mm-hmm. Future podcaster right there. 
They grow up so fast. Noticing things. Ugh. Oh, Jackathan. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so, but yes. It's funny. Even a child knows that. Your flimsy premise, which <laughs> two immovable objects. I want to swim. I don't want you to swim. That's all it takes. Mm -hmm. And then Bugs is immediately swimming. Yes. What do you think you're doing in my pool? The backstroke. Uh, very classic Looney Tunes. Not wild hair, but like a little bit later. Classic moment. Yeah. It's a really old joke, too. And I love that how old that joke is. It's like, oh, that it doesn't lose its flavor. It's like, oh, yes, this I remember this year. It's like a fine wine. Like, oh, oh yeah. the backstroke joke. It's it's just very Marx Brothers. Um, it, it doesn't get old. It's always funny, like. It's like, where do you hear a joke for the first time as you're growing up? Like, how has your joke sensibility grown and educated over time? Like, there's a certain period in everyone's life where hearing a Marx Brothers type joke is always going to be funny. Mm -hmm. And the who's on first is always going to be funny at X age. And Tom Lehrer songs are always going to be funny, like middle school, high school. Like, that's that's when it always will be. So Weird Al is always funny, sixth and seventh grade. Yeah, not that it's not funny outside of that, but that's the audience. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's when I met, you know, mm -hmm. his um, his royal punniness. <laughs> his royal punniness. Um. I yeah. So I think we get a lot of the uh, the the bugs tropes here. He says a lot of his lines again and again that we just saw in a wild hair. The genesis to the modern. I do also appreciate though that. We get an Elmer who has, they've ramped him up a little bit. He's not a dope, like in the same way that the original one was. Mm -hmm. Like he's not completely clueless what Bugs is doing right away. He, um, and it's his meanness that sets off Bugs. Like Bugs is like just hanging out in the pool. And Elmer, I think it's with a pitchfork. Is that what he uses to to pop his um, to pop the inner tube and sends bugs flying um, and smashing and into the ground? Um, but here's another thing that I love about the Looney Tunes cartoons is they know or they have expected you to have watched early bugs cartoons. They Not in order, but right. Yeah. I expect you to know know all the Bugs lines. Because what happens is Bugs goes flying. He hits the ground and he looks at the camera and he says, of course, you know, this means, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because we do. We, he doesn't even have to finish the sentence. Mm -hmm. You know, like and it's that little break of the expectation, but also giving the expectation the, the yes, this is a classic cartoon, but also we know you've already seen those and this is something a little different. Yeah. And with them all on HBO Max, I just kind of wish there was like a, like just a Looney Tunes channel, like play something Looney Tunes, like at random, just all times. I don't want to choose one, just like play me a constant stream. <laughs> there was a moment where, you know, we watched Pool Bunny and several other of the Looney Tunes cartoons. And I was like, hey, Jack, do you want to watch um, this one? This is uh, from the night from 1940. Do you want to watch this one? And my wife says, are you sure? <laughs> like, like, are you sure you want to open that cat of worms? Like, just in case, like. Do you want to do you want to do that? Or is it, is it going to be safe? And I'm glad that a wild hair uh, was fine. I don't know if it's been content edited at all, but I mean that's another thing to talk about of what is still appropriate in 2020 for Looney Tunes. I mean, there's definitely stuff that's been 
made harder to find or is less appropriate in some ways. And I think I do really value one of the strong choices they made with the Looney Tunes cartoons, which is Elmer doesn't have a gun. And I will tell you, I binged this entire season of like the 10 episode collections of shorts. Laughed my butt off. Thought it was funny. <laughs> thought this was like the perfect iteration of Elmer. And then I got online and found out there are people upset about Elmer not having a gun. I didn't even realize he didn't have a gun because nothing we've talked about so far, it's not essential for Elmer to have a gun. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, he's a hunter, but that's not... The gun isn't the prop with which he tries to lure bugs in. It's it's not the core thing. Yeah, I... I do... What am I going to say? I think that the people who are up in arms about Elmer not having his arms uh, are the folks who aren't true fans or who haven't even watched the new Looney Tunes cartoons. Mm -hmm. Because if they have, then they wouldn't have seen that the, the fundamental relationship between these two characters is a powerful threat. Elmer is a threat. Bugs diffuses that threat by just completely humiliating him in whatever way and outsmarting him. That's, Mm -hmm. That's what that relationship is. And it doesn't take a gun to be threatening or powerful. And if you believe that that's the only way to be powerful, is to have a gun. Um, I think I understand what their what their real problem is. And what I I do think that a character has changed from not having guns, but in a good way. Whereas Elmer, I think, doesn't matter, doesn't make a difference. Whereas uh, Yosemite Sam, his whole thing has always been like the guns and feeling powerful and making fun of that. And what I think we have now in the new shorts, not Pool Bunny is a more interesting Yosemite Sam because he's still like this man's man, toxic masculinity caricature, but without guns, what does that mean? He's an arm wrestler and like a hipster carny and like (laughs) does all these weird stuff. And I think that he's way more, I've never liked Yosemite Sam until these shorts, because when you remove just the easy props and trappings of like, oh, he's a man's man. He has these two pistols, obviously. He's like this weird Texan dude. Mm Mm-hmm. Take that away and really get down to the core of Yosemite Sam. Like, how do we communicate that without the visual trappings? It's more interesting. And Elmer was already good at that, which is why you don't miss the gun at all. Yeah, I mean, Elmer's one of Elmer's first shorts was him trying to get a photograph of Bugs Bunny. Mm -hmm. Like, that was it. And then, but people start thinking the first official thing was Bugs was being hunted. And that's an easy way of putting bugs in danger. But that's not the only way to put bugs in danger or to flip the justice balance because that's what bugs is about. Like, what are you doing? All I wanted to do was swim and you come at me with a pitchfork? Like, really? Or mm-hmm. an axe? Well, that's it. Like, you, you come and threaten me. We could have swam together. We could have been friends. And it's it's not like there isn't violence, like you're saying. Yeah, there's still an escalation of what that violence is and how that violence is accomplished can be done for humor. Because I think Bugs' ultimate montage of violence is Elmer encountering everyday pains <laughs> in a series. Oh, yeah. Of the hot feet on the cement and the burning... Uh, and then squirting the sunscreen in his eyes and stepping on thumbtacks that are just laying around. Yeah. Look out for the lemon juice. Like, look out for those lemons. And he's like getting, (laughs) how it burns. And I, that's my favorite thing. Oh, no. Look Um, out, rattlesnakes. (laughs) (laughs) The rattlesnakes happening off screen, I think, is is good and funny. Uh, The lemon juice for me is the perfect... (laughs) winky bugs moment because it's a series of escalating everyday pains that a kid can understand and the last one you're shown visually is look out for that lemon juice and i think as an adult you go haha i understand science 
<laughs> and kids are like, that's a weird juxtaposition. Ha ha ha. Yeah, Why at, lemons? After we get the mouse traps and thumb, you know, thumbtacks, now we're at lemon juice. <laughs> oh. And then rattlesnakes. That's because you have to bring it back to the ridiculousness. It's like you lose the kids for a moment and then they come back mm-hmm. with rattlesnakes that are still on him when he returns to the screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, but you also get interesting timing ridiculousness where you get to see Bugs in his uh, cruel and effective, both cool and cruel, where he is, wait, he's hanging out at the water, power and water plant, and he's just calm and staring at you know, the whole grid trying to find out which is Elmer's house and just like, okay, it's it's this one over here. And Elmer's, you know, has, has dived off the diving board and he's gone up on this huge dive and he's falling and falling. You just keep cutting back to Bugs very methodically and quietly staring at, you know, is, okay, there's his house. Let me go over here. And then finally pull the lever and the water's gone out of the pool and he gets slam slams into the bottom of the pool it's mm. just i think that is bugs like he's i think if a certain point if elmer had said you know what, i give up go ahead and come swim with me like i think bugs would have stopped mm-hmm. I, th- I think bugs would have stopped because that's exactly what happens at the end is he stops you know he pretends to be dead he, he's like, which is, I think, spoilers, I think that's my favorite thing. <laughs> he's just, he's drowning <laughs> and Elmer's like, oh, no, no, no. I saw you swim earlier in this picture. I know you're not drowning. <laughs> you know, it's like, I've seen you swim before. And then he just, Bugs drowns. He pulls him out of the water. He tries to help him. It's like, what can I do? How can I help? It's like, he's like, you really want to help me? And he, just give me one last phone call. And calls his wife and asks her to bring the kids. And uh, was it was it just like generic wife rabbit? I missed if there was a spe- I just, best specificity in that wife. I didn't see a wife rabbit in there. I just saw the little baby boxes. Okay. And I think they were voiced by Mel Blanc. I think they got old recordings because they sounded really familiar. The little babies okay. jumping over the fence and into the pool. I was like, how did they get Mel Blanc for that? <laughs> oh, you know, seance. A seance. Seances. I like your seances on the wall there. Here, here's a little here's a little known fact about Mel Blanc. Um, he hated carrots. And they tried multiple different vegetables, like radishes or other things, that would hopefully help because he hated them so much. But nothing sounded right. So they would have a, a carrot bucket. He would just chew the chew the carrot, say the line, and then cut, spit the spit it into a bucket, and then keep going. That's perfect. I just love that about it. It's just like you don't hear how much he hates carrots as Bugs is chewing it because it just sounds this. It's this great, luxuriating long like mm, i'm just gonna take the moment and chew this all the way up like you get every little every little smack it's a good behind the scenes fact <laughs> but I, it just i think pool bunny if you only watch one this is a, this is an episode four of looney tunes cartoons you can watch a fun sylvester and tweety before it mm-hmm. and i th- and what I think is interesting is they've turned, this is not quite about bugs, but they've turned Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner into interstitials as opposed to having their own short. So it's in between the show, here's a Wiley Coyote chasing the Roadrunner gag, which I think is inspired because, you know, that's all they are anyway, is just a series of failures. one after the other that's it doesn't matter what the title of the animated short is it's it's like oh well what happens in chariots of fur versus this other one like who knows 
Well, they've got they've got some different runners throughout the season too. Like I think some of the early episodes have Elmer chasing bugs as the interstitial. Right. Um, I think Wiley Cody and Rotor can still work in their own short, but yeah, it could all just bleed together. You could watch a marathon of Wiley Coyote and Rotor. It's all the same premise. I I do also appreciate about this iteration that they've paired off these classical characters into the pairs that make the most sense again. Like Mm. Bugs and Daffy are great, but, but I like wild Daffy against Porky Pig because you start to lose something in the dynamic, uh, a dynamic version of Daffy when you pair him against bugs, because now bug uh, Daffy becomes like a stand in for Yosemite Sam or Elmer, Mm. you know, it loses some of what makes Daffy interesting and unique from 1940. And so bug shorts are more about nature versus humanity (laughs) represented by Elmer and Yosemite Sam. Look at the bunny. I would like to see the rabbit. <laughs> well, I killed Chris, so we're going to keep pursuing this episode at the meantime. Um, I don't actually think that deeply about these shorts. They're just fun, and they're funny, and I can't wait to see more at some point. Um, <laughs> Elmer doesn't need a gun. <laughs> It just works fine. We've talked about uh, both Chris's favorite in-episode favorite thing and behind-the-scenes favorite thing. Um, I'll wait till he's unbroken to see if he has more. No, In the I meantime... I think that was it. Uh, just the... Um... <laughs> I like to see the rabbit. Oh. <laughs> gold. Just gold. Oh. I'll try to sell it oh, to HBO Max. Yeah, that was really my hard. original idea of Verna Herzog in The Mandalorian meets Bugs Bunny. <laughs> they own all the rights to all those things, I'm sure. Uh, since I also spoiled my favorite thing, my favorite behind the scenes fact is that um, A Wild Hair, the first mo- broadly accepted Bugs Bunny short, was up for the Academy Award for animated short that year, along with the first Tom and Jerry short. And both of them lost to something that nobody remembers or cares about. Wow. What a great year for animation. Bugs Bunny and Tom and Jerry. And some things just aren't appreciated in their time. But then they they lasted, though. You know, they didn't need the Academy Award. They had the love of audiences. Mm-hmm. And that's... The audiences choose what what stays around like that's that's what it's about give them what they want that's how pop culture works that's I mean, why the, you don't know any italian opera but you know commedia dell'arte <laughs> yes maybe the people who listen to our podcast may or may <laughs> not but <laughs> it's it's a lot of why um there are so many more Donald Duck cartoons than there are Mickey Mouse cartoons. Mm-hmm. It's it's totally what the audience wants. Yeah, Mickey got almost too sweet over time under the unbearable pressure of being the flagship mascot of the world's favorite corporation. And Donald Duck could still just function and be crazy. A lot of cow bugs could still like was still allowed to be crazy and rude. And I hope that in, oh gosh, in Space Jam, A New Legacy, I hope that they do their research. I know that the Space Jam movies are not really about the Looney Tunes characters, but I wish they were. I just... In, in doing research for this show, it's looking at the Space Jam stuff. And it's just interesting to read about how many tri- times they tried to get 
that going again, like the sequel, like, well, Michael Jordan didn't want to do it again. And they had it moved to this and they were going to do Space Jam 2. Then they were going to do Skate Jam with Tony Hawk. Then they were going to do, it was just like, who do we need to star with the Looney Tunes characters? And I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Just, you don't have to put an athlete random person into this movie. Just your characters can sustain this the show just make a decision yeah i think there's always going to be like the the subgenre of looney tunes that is the looney tunes meet x live action person like i put looney tunes back in action in the same genre as space jam controversially i know um, yeah but there's there's that subgenre and there's another one that's trying to be made in addition to space jam so I not it's in pre how oh, what is it called? Not pre-production. Development hell. That's what it's there called. There we go. There it is. So So keep an eye out for the Rage Get Animated episode 235 uh about Space Jam a New Legacy. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll we'll talk about which Jam jammed it better. Should we talk homework time? <laughs> Let's. For next time, we will be talking about um, topical things. And I know that may sound hard to talk about 2020 America topical things. So we're going to make it easy. Uh, by having you watch We Bear Bears, the movie, and The Prince of Egypt. The reasoning will become clear. (laughs) (laughs) Do your homework. Enjoy yourself. Uh, We will will, let you know what we're thinking at -hmm. some point. As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Cotino, and to Jacob Reed for our theme music. Find us online and Twitter at WG Animated. Let us know what your favorite Bugs Bunny moment is. You can catch our show notes and previous episodes on writersgetanimated.podbean.com. <coughs> you did it, Doc. You killed you killed the podcast episode. It's done. <coughs> oh, what have I done? The poor podcast episode. Why? That's all, folks. Good night, everybody.